Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Rockwell. Oh yeah, Betsy. You're in early. Uh, good morning, Mr. Rockwell. Wow. Sandy. <laughs> Looking as lovely as ever. Babe, it's my mom. She needs me over there. You know she's been sick. If you need help taking care of her, I'd love to meet her. I swear her tits are actually innies. It's like I'm feeling up a ten-year-old boy. There is a subtle little operation I could provide that might give you a slight edge. Oh, well what? Bigger boobs. You made the right choice, my dear. Holy crap! Do you like them? They certainly pull the room together. Did she always have those? I'm definitely all woman now, and so much more. There is a great evil surrounding you. No. Within you. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Uh, may we come in? I have a set of fun bags with the hunger for human flesh. They make me want to bust out into song All you Ready? need is a pair of fun bags A leather teddy in a ball gag Batumas, palookas, guns like bazookas Bow down he before the great and powerful tits How's that for alliteration? All you need is a pair of fun bags The officers of the law and sometimes you gotta get icky Yo, killer rat <laughs> Godzillas that will crush you in your sleep All you need is a pair of I'm writing my review right now. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back as we start our monster march uh, with uh, 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 with another cool movie. Uh, but uh, I'm not That's a word for it. Evening. So uh, why don't you uh, say hello to Katie? Katie, why don't you tell us what's in store for us today? Hey, folks! It's Katie Cadaver. Welcome to our first Monster March episode of Inside Movies Galore. And tonight we're going to be talking about Greg Gregory Lamberson's 2015 film Killer Rack, a killer comedy with big eyes, which <laughs> also stars Lloyd Kaufman and Debbie Rashan. Surprisingly, so 
Uh, spoiler warning, as usual, we're going to be discussing all of the things about the movie, so if you haven't seen it and you don't want this really epic film spoiled for you, <laughs> stop listening now. <laughs> so, Killer Rack, uh, from the director of Slime City comes a screwball horror comedy about a set of monstrous memories. In a world that prizes breast size over accomplishments, Betty Downer just can't get a break. Scorned by her co-workers, ridiculed by her boyfriend, and overlooked by her boss, Betty impulsively books breast enhancement surgery with the elder gods worshipping Dr. Kate Fulu. And then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> so, alright guys, you ready for this? As the as the honorary um, member of the group, the only member of the group with tits, I guess that's why I'm hosting tonight, because... You know, I have the the official killer rack, so. <laughs> well, why don't we hear what everybody thought of the film? I'm guessing it was most of your first time watching it. How about you, Dane? We haven't heard anything from you yet this evening. Yeah, my first time seeing it, um, and I've not seen any of the Slime City films, so this is my first uh Exposure to the two Greg Lamberson's uh, work, but um, I thought you were with us on the Slime City episode. No, I was not. Oh. Um, for this film, like uh, interestingly enough, it does feel a lot like a trauma movie, but it was uh, distributed by Camp Motion Pictures, uh, and obviously, uh, it does have some trauma alumni in it. Um, as far as what I thought of it. Um, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. It was just kind of in the middle. And, I mean, I, I tend to... I mean, uh, with a title like Killer Rack, it's like, well, I, I tend to at least be curious about, you know, any title that is deliberately trying to grab your attention like that. So, I mean, I give them points for that, but it was just... I don't know, it was very hit or miss for me. But I didn't I didn't despise it, or, but I didn't wasn't ecstatic about it. Cool, that's fair. Um, how about you, Brandon? Uh, this is not my first time seeing it. This is my first... Um, I hadn't seen... I guess you could say I hadn't seen the whole bit because I didn't see all the stuff with the credits until this time around. <laughs> but uh, after the Slime City one and then the uh, interview with the director um, so long ago, I gained an interest in the, in the works and then I was provided... Uh, with the means to access some of those, and then lost the means uh, in between. Um, so that particular one did amuse me enough that I had to check it out. I like uh, the absurd. I've always liked the absurd when it came to movies, be it House Shark or uh, or uh, about killer turkeys or killer toilets. So, you know, a movie about killer boobs, that, that's, that's right up my alley right there. Kaufman, and hey, you got something great. Perfect. Uh, Dustin, what was uh, your first impressions on this one? What the, what the hell did we just watch? <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, uh, I think this is the weirdest movie that I've seen for this show, at least. Uh, like, I got the feeling, like, right away, it's sort of funny, uh, that Dane said, like, it, it kind of felt like a trauma film, because I was pretty sure it was a trauma film. Uh, I was, I was watching it, and I was like, so, is this a trauma movie? And then, like, Lloyd Kaufman's scene is, like, 20 seconds after I had that thought, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, but it's one of those, it's one of those really bizarre independent movies, where you get the feeling that they had a handful of jokes, but not necessarily a whole lot else. It just kind of moves from gag to gag. Or at least that was the impression I got. I mean, I uh, I thought it was a lot better than the concept really had any right to be. Uh, it was really weird and definitely for a specific kind of audience. Uh, well, I, I guess that that was not to get too far off, but it's like I guess that's kind of what I... I don't want to say had issue with, but it was just like, because I love trauma movies and I love absurd things. Like, I'm a big a fan of the Sharknado series and just things of that nature. I kind of felt in some ways like 
there were, it just was very hit or miss, and it wasn't like consistently high energy or consistently um, so absurd that it's like you can't look away. I mean, like, Poultry Geist is a good example of how the absurdity just ramps up and up and the energy level is constantly high. This one just felt kind of sporadic uh, in terms of, like, the the moments that really grab you. <laughs> grab. Did, did you have anything else on that, Dustin, or can I move on? Um, I, I think that's more or less... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say, like, I liked it per se, like, it had stuff in it that was good, it was just kind of, like Dan said, like, really hit or miss, like, a lot of the one-liners were, were pretty fun, um, but it's, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a hard movie to describe to people later, let alone recommend, so, I mean, it definitely wasn't bad, but I... I don't know what this was. <laughs> well, we will dig in. Um, Jake, how about you? Is this a first-time watch? Oh, this was definitely a first-time watch. <laughs> this was definitely a little bit outside of my usual viewing zone. Um, Thanks, so, Emma. I have to admit, and uh, I'm probably going to take some heat for this, I don't know. But I think this may be the first film I've seen with Lloyd Kaufman. Maybe. I'm not sure. And I did like him. I thought he was fun in the movie. Reminded me a little bit of Mel Brooks, which kind of was a spectacular. Um, I, I agree with Dustin's characterization of better than it had any right to be. Uh, definitely. <laughs> what I knew of this going in, which was very little, uh, was I was... Uh, I have vaguely connected this to Slime City, but not fully made the connection. And that still is one of my misses for this show. It is one of my least favorite ones I've watched for this show. So I found this one to be consistently much funnier than Slime City. I enjoyed the absurdity of this one a lot more than Slime City. Uh I think it was about as subtle as a sledgehammer in terms of making its point. Uh, idea. But I did like some of the one-liners. I kind of appreciated the groan of some of the others. Um, I really liked the lead. I thought she did a really good job. So there were, they definitely had a lot going for it, but is I think Dustin, you were the one said, I agree. It's a hard one to figure out who to recommend it to, or even talk about it with afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, somebody you could talk to about it would probably be David, because I think this was your idea, wasn't it, Dave? It was. So you're responsible. I am responsible for this monstrosity, yes. Uh, but, well, to be fair, we did vote it in. To, to be fair... Um, to be fair, um, this is my second time watching, but I was actually one of the uh, ones who actually put money into this campaign, which wasn't a lot, not as much as most people were at that point in time. I think I put 25 bucks in to get, uh, get my name in the ba uh, ba uh, back in the, uh, and uh, 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 whatever, but uh, that's besides Yes, one of the one-liners yeah, I kind of had to roll your eyes at. Uh, because uh, because uh, they sound like something that would have been said like in the 70s, uh, 70s. or something that might have been said on the man show but this was a movie made for men to laugh at the, uh, uh, the you know the the obsidious you know construction of the uh, the uh, these Mammary glands uh, that just start going around eating people. <laughs> but I have seen something similar to uh, uh, to this idea in a, in a an anthology that I've seen before called Trapped Ashes, um, which there, there was a uh, there was a young gr uh, gr uh, girl who ended up going and getting a transplant, and uh, she ended up getting uh, uh, getting a pair of 
breast that had teeth. So, uh, so I could see it happen. I, I just didn't expect the absurdity of the balloons effect. Hey, um, that actually brings up something about um, the only thing you found absurd. Well, there's a um, there's something from folklore, I think, from all over the world, if I'm not mistaken, but it's something called uh, Vagina Dentata, which obviously uh, was the basis of the movie Teeth. Um, just the idea that a woman's vagina would have teeth, and it's a it's a folkloric idea of the quote unquote dangerous woman, you know, who you know is able to you know, defend herself from from men in the most personal way possible. Um, and uh, it's interesting to see the breast get the same kind of treatment, even though it doesn't have quite the uh, folkloric uh, mythology to it. Actually, so, side note, uh, the vagina, vagina dentata thing is also a running gag in the, I think it was an FX series, uh, Scream Queens. Like, there's a character who, they just kind of, like, offhandedly, it's, you know, you can't get a boyfriend because you have teeth in your vagina. And, like, after, like, the tenth time they mention it, she just screams at them, I do not have teeth in my vagina! <laughs> like, in hysterics. And so, that's, uh, that's my familiarity with the term. Going in yeah. Well, I, um, I do I not have teeth in my vagina, um, but, or my breasts, um, but this is the first time I've seen this movie. I don't really know about it. It was kind of interesting that, um, as a woman watching this movie, I thought, boy, this really speaks to... Uh, an actual problem, like, number one, I, I would have to say I would love to be able to kill people with my tits. <laughs> kind of a dream that I have. Um, but the whole, like, exaggerated idea uh, that they put forth here, how she's, you know, nobody pays any attention to her until she gets these giant tits. It's kind of realistic, let me just say. Um, so I could relate, is what I'm trying to say. I could relate to the movie. I thought, I thought it was a fun watch you know it was ridiculous and silly but i i don't mind that i kind of yeah. dig movies that don't take themselves seriously at all yeah, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like the flashing if uh, anybody's seen that trauma movie nope well i, I guess it, uh, sorry go ahead i was gonna say there were a pa there was another pair of killer boobs i remember in the movie killer bong but it wasn't really the boobs as much as the uh, brassieres that they were. Like, uh, there were little drills or shark heads. And they were used you them. and your, like, ginger dead men and killer bongs. Hey, there's a German film that Trauma, uh, uh, Trauma picked up called Killer Condoms. Yeah. Which was yeah. awesome, too. So. Well, then, let's I already have weirdos, too. <laughs> forget the uh, the all time kings of that sort of thing would be the fembots in Austin Powers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. earlier, uh, uh, Doctor uh, Goldfoot and the girl bombs. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I do kind of want to make a uh, kind of a supporting comment uh, for Katie. Um, like I kind of picked up on that too, and um. With the, oh, it was made for men to laugh about boob jokes. And it was like, oh, I didn't really laugh at hardly any yeah. of the boob jokes. Uh, I mean... It was like female revenge story. It was a movie made for men told from the woman's perspective. Uh, I wouldn't even necessarily say that. I mean, I think it just is. I don't know. It's it's hard to even talk about. It, it is what it is. But uh, it feels like like some exaggerated commentary. I mean, it feels a little bit like exploitation to me. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually, um, Katie and I were talking a bit beforehand. Um, just uh, a couple of things, like um, something that I thought was, well, like she said, like, that only, the only people, they only pay attention to her when she gets her, uh, her boob job, but, um, the thing I thought was kind of interesting was that they started to go on this route, and then they quickly got away from it, was when she makes more of an effort to, like, change up her rather drab wardrobe, and, 
you know, put on some makeup and that kind of stuff, then she kind of starts to get noticed, but then it immediately, you know, goes uh, far afield. But, um, you know, what I, I, which is interesting because I've seen a lot of, I brought it up because I've seen a lot of um, makeover shows on, like, um, HGTV and TLC and that kind of stuff. And even without having to do, like, an extreme makeover where they get, like, a ton of plastic surgery, even uh, just getting a change of wardrobe or a change of hairstyle or a change of whatever, you know, can do a whole lot, you know, for one's look and one's confidence and one's, uh, you know, that's men and women too, because uh, shows I'm thinking about, they do it for both. But, um, you know, it's just, I think it's interesting that that is, uh, they go that, they start off with that route um and obviously they deviate because i guess that the boss is just that superficial and that much of a creep as we later find out but uh you know it's just interesting because any fashionista anybody who's fashion conscious i think would probably say start with that um before you do anything more drastic and you also notice that uh after she gets uh, her boob job, that she doesn't really do anything else to, you know, change her appearance, really. Like, again, there's no going the extra mile. There's no change in hairstyle, makeup, uh, wardrobe, nothing like yeah. that. It's just, that's purely what it is. And yet, and of course, that's where the humor comes in, is that that's all it takes to magically turn her life around, right. seemingly. That's what I was going to say. I think it's um, really maybe and maybe it was not intentional. I'm reading too much into it. But I feel like without adding those extra things, because that sort of muddies the waters in terms of like, how, why is she being, um, you know, prejudiced against, you know, like, why aren't they paying attention to her? Well, is it because she's not wearing makeup? No, they really do want to showcase it's just the size of her chest. Like, Mm -hmm. all the ridiculous um, things pointing to that, like her door of her apartment says like flatty on it and stuff. (laughs) I mean, nobody you know, that's so exaggerated. Like, I don't know any adult women who get made fun of that much for the size of their tits, but it's, you know, driving home that point and that point alone, I think had it been other things had, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe it was like a wardrobe choice. I noticed a few things as someone that produces live entertainment, um, particularly burlesque shows. There's things that I watch for, like tags sticking out of clothing, um, you know, or like certain things that are that are extra that you don't really need to have. And like I noticed there was some of that lacking in terms of like costume design and stuff for this film like there probably wasn't any is my point so whether she was supposed to look drab on purpose or not i don't know but i think the (laughs) fact that they yeah probably you know this movie was filmed on the weekends you know so who knows but the fact that um they didn't do any of that like makeover her entire body or whatever i think that would have taken away from the point they were trying to drive home that it really was just the tits yeah and i i can definitely see what uh that that is indeed you know what they were trying to go for with the fact that it is humorous it's just i i do think it's that part of it is interesting just because again like on any uh, or any kind of fashion uh, makeover kind of show, not even a you know plastic surgery thing, but that's usually where they start, and that can more or less do the job. But uh, you know, again, I get that it's not trying to be so nuanced. I'm guessing they didn't he- even have an MUA on this set. Yeah, you know, that's my that's, guess. And, and that's that's something else that it kind of didn't really work for me because I again I love movie i love trauma movies and i love stuff like trauma and juliet and poultry ghost those movies tend to well part of it's because red coffin has you know decades of experience in that area but it's like um this movie it felt rather inconsistent in terms of its uh the technical aspects some of those things could look really good uh, surprisingly good for what I assume the budget was, which is not much. And then other things could look kind of really obviously poor and not in like a charming way. I think um, definitely. I think they. I think they were fairly charming. Uh, like even like yeah. really obvious like fake um, 
Malfoods. Yeah, I'm not even talking about. I'm not even talking about that. I'm ta like, here's a good example. So, like, when we first get a good look at the killer rack itself, not the monster version, but just you know, normal looking, the uh, blending of the prosthesis with the rest of her skin looks pretty convincing. You know, I, I was impressed. Um, and then, on the other hand, then you had. Um, when she first comes back into work after having had her procedure, there's the shot where she like leans down, you can see this really painfully obvious padding, and it's like, come on, you know, and it's just, I don't know, it's just, I could go on and on, but there's like little things along those lines, it's like this one effect that is surprisingly quite convincing, and the other effects that are just like, they're not even trying. Well, um, some notes on that, uh, so I wasn't looking terribly hard, so I completely missed that, and, uh, I thought it was kind of funny, like, when they finally reveal, like, the killer rack itself, like, the non like you said, the non-monster version, like, she finally takes her top off, and I just kind of, like, look up, look down, eh, was my actual reaction, <laughs> so... Well, like, again, it's, uh... Well, what's interesting about that is that, uh, I'm talking specifically about the blending of a prosthesis with one skin tone. In terms of, uh, you know, it, they very obviously look fake, but again, I think that's kind of the point, is that, you know, if you've ever seen any, you know, obviously not high-quality you know, bird jobs, and they can look really, like, overly stiff. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And overly spherical, overly just, like, you know, too... I don't know, just they look bad. And so like in, two in, softballs under some skin? Well, they're more like two, like, orbs when, you know... Uh, well, yeah, because uh, female breasts are supposed to be teardrops. It's, it's true. It is true, but it's like, so in other words, in that sense, you took someone who was maybe like a small B or something and beefed her up to like a double or triple D, you know, it's like, well, obviously, there's uh, not going to be a lot of wiggle room there, so of course... Uh, you know, what you get is not going to look natural. And so, again, in that sense, uh, they accurately replicated that in the form of a prosthesis. But um, Yeah, I agree. That looked really good. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it but, well, stood for, out to me, and I was surprised. For that kind of job, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not like she went up just, like, one size, and it's like, oh, okay. You know, that's pretty smooth. Um, we, totally, we totally missed being able to do a wiggle room joke here. Well, I mean, you know what I mean, right? It's like the the bigger you go up with, the less you have to work with, and obviously it's going to stand out more. Um, that's just basic science. Yeah, Ben's been trying to make a point for a while. What's up, Ben? Uh, well, basically what I was going to say is uh, when we were talking about, I mean, Lloyd Kaufman, of course, having the experience level he did, but this director is not exactly new to the field either. Uh, I mean, with Slime City, this was one of the uh, pioneers in this area. I believe it was done almost uh, at the same time as, uh, Katie, one of your favorite movies, Street Trash, uh, at the time. And, of course, the uh, effects were quite, quite well done for the budget. I felt like, I did feel like the effects were not as, as well paid attention to in this movie as it was in one of those movies, or even the return to Slime City. Which I uh, believe could have been something with uh, how much they had to go on budget-wise. So I mean, that was the, the point, because Slime City had even less of a budget. And it was amazing the things that they did in order to accomplish those effects. I don't know, it's just, maybe, maybe they didn't work as hard to do the effects uh, as in the past. I mean, they were still decent effects, and they were still pretty decent for what they had, but uh, I know that he was capable, or at least he had a team capable of doing uh, better uh, than than what was. Yeah. I thought Slime said he was pretty bad, so I'm kind of surprised it's the same guy. 
Well, I, I'd say it was inconsistent because uh, if it was like consistently good or consistently bad, that'd be one thing. But you know, it just that it was a disconnect, and that's not even just on the effects level, but it was also on the just basic filmmaking level where the ADR was really noticeable, and uh, it was just like. Are you even trying here, or what? I mean, and I know it sounds tough to do. You know, I've had my fair share of tough uh, situations with sound, but it just uh, again inconsistent. There, the fourth wall breaking jokes could be funny, but more often than not, I felt like they were trying too hard. Like, like a good example is like when Lloyd uh, of like uh, when it hits is something like Lloyd going. Jumping Jesus on a poco stick, and then there he is, and he goes up all over. Jumping on a bike on a poco stick. When it's when it's embraced, it's craziness. Well, that and if you know Lloyd, he has said that several different times and several different things, and it was nice to see that actually being made literal. He and Debbie Rashawn, again, two veterans of this sort of thing, you know, they, they really uh, got the spirit of it. And then other people, I feel like they were trying to, but the dialogue didn't always help them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I follow Debbie Rashawn on Twitter, but I did not realize who she was, like, until this moment. Like, I just thought she was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this kind of... Oh, go ahead, Jacob. Yeah. I was going to say, we kind of just had this really long talk on the effects and everything, but we haven't even talked about the characters or... That's okay, we're jumping around. What characters? I'm, I'm not going to be real picky. I mean, you guys can talk about whatever you want, and <laughs> I'm sure and, we'll and, hit all the topics. And again, the last of them. Oh, go ahead. Before we move on to characters, just one last note on the plot. I feel like the main point is that uh, this movie was trying to be a trauma movie, but fell short of being a trauma movie. And that, that was the whole of it, I think, at the end of the day. If you really think about it, I almost feel like it was trying too hard mm -hmm. to be a trauma movie, at least as far as the zaniness or craziness. I think and, this uh, this movie could have very well been a, a, a decent killer food movie. Uh, uh, let's just put it that way. I don't think that they got as much money as the, uh, they needed for the film. That was what I was going to say because I thought, I wondered if the budget was higher for this, would it have been better or was it just due to a lack of someone's ability i think it was honestly in the writing because i mean i think that again the effects that are good are definitely good enough to carry a movie like this but i really think it came down in the script just because it wasn't like the writing was just very inconsistent in its humor and its uh just grasp of what it was dealing with. Some of those jokes were amazing, though. I mean, like the thing with the turtle. Oh my god! Like that made me so happy. <laughs> On the writing, I think it is worth noting that the writer is the guy who played Tim, and I think he was listed as this is like his second guy, something. He also came up with the lyrics for uh, for that uh, uh, that song. Um, <laughs> Actually, Which is the best thing about the movie. <laughs> yeah, but the, the songs were surprisingly good, and and I, I really liked uh, Tim a lot when he first gets introduced with his like hand puppets. I was like, this guy is my hero because I used to do that at some previous jobs I had. So basically, the songs were great. <laughs> yeah, he was cool. I feel like one of the reasons why there may have been a feeling of inconsistency, which I didn't really hold against the film terribly, but I felt like Tim, and, and, and it was written, and Betty was written rather earnestly, like rather like they're actually people you're supposed to like and root for, and everyone else is written as these crazy caricatures or as really over the top, 
the detectives were basically a joke on the entire detective genre. The guard, oh, and those cat callers, uh, those guys, I like the cat callers and I like the cops. I thought they were actually quite funny and they, they were pretty uh, good self-aware portraits of like the uh well i re i actually those are two strong points of the thing i really like the the old cop who is probably gonna have a stroke or some other kind of awful health problems but he's right like before just, his retirement yeah just like one step away from it and then his, and, his, and his partner's like constantly asserting the fact that he's you know taken and he's not gonna cheat on his wife is about to have a baby all that stuff and then i i thought the cat callers were actually kind of a funny self-aware portrait of like why a lot of guys do that it's you know it's for this kind of sadistic sexual harassment kind of thrill and then all of a sudden when uh you know she under the pos possession of the killer rack you know when she gives in then they're like oh well, i don't know what to do now you know it's like, like oh, yeah, uh, now <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know, they, they kind of had, they had a weird kind of endearment. I'll back you up the chains, man. <laughs> Going into a... I also like the pickup guy in the bar. He was fine. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I agree with you. Those cat collars I'm going to... Uh, are yeah. quite entertaining individuals, especially if you think about it and you listen to the speech, there's a lot more to it than just your typical cat callers. I mean, shoot, even at the beginning where he's saying, hey, hey, man, d dial it back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, like, like, he's, trying to teach him. Well, he's like trying to teach him the art of cat calling. Yes. I'm coming at this uh, film uh, knowing some of the characters that actually did uh, um, um, uh, like uh, Michael Thurber who uh, played a boss I actually know him oh, uh, well know of him uh, through some films that, uh, that were directed under uh, Richard Griffin um and uh, so, uh, so seeing him in uh, this role of the boss uh, was kind uh, of kind of uh, interesting. Uh, so. Oh God! Well, good. I think we kind of covered most of our characters. I mean, they're not very deep. They're not very. There aren't a whole lot of them either. There aren't a whole lot of them, right? There was, um, there was the, uh, there was, like, the crazy doctor, there was the doctor who, like, implanted the killer rack, and then there was that one girl who was, like, her big rival at work, who kept, like, showing her up, but other than that, there really wasn't anybody else in the movie beyond just, like, random victims. Well, Lloyd was the best character, let's just be real. Well, I mean, it's Lloyd, I mean, he's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like Beetlejuice when Beetlejuice is on screen, like, the movie literally cannot be about anything else in those moments. The, the Lloyd did actually do a little bit more than he uh, than he normally does, in my opinion, when he does cameos and, and things. He actually even subdued himself a little bit, which he's usually almost entirely manic whenever I've seen him on screen. So, I mean, he didn't he didn't end that way, but he he did start at least somewhat uh, subdued in his character. And he, he went into it well. I, I thought, uh, really, his character was my favorite in the film because it was entertaining, and, and he was in a pretty decent-sized role for one of his uh, typical roles. He, he can be subdued and zany, softened at the same time. Like, uh, you know, in uh, he had a very brief cameo in Orgasmo at the very end where he plays it completely straight. Um, and then... In my well, and he was actually in my film, The Big Blind, uh, where he played two roles. He was an innocent victim, where it was a little bit more of a you know comedic relief bit, and then he also voiced the police chief, which that part he did completely straight. So I uh, have seen both sides of him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I only. 
Okay, you go ahead, Katie. I was just going to say, to add to that, uh, he was also probably my favorite aspect of the movie, aside from the catchy theme song. That was a weird theme song. It seems like Lloyd just kind of like shows up and like is himself, because when I got to meet him uh, last year, it was like, oh, he, he is just that guy. <laughs> Like, all the time, down to the blow tie. So, um, it seems like he doesn't have to do a whole lot of work, necessarily, for these cameos. It's just, like, he's such a out-there personality that he can just, like, do it. Well, for, for my movie, I deliberately wanted him to just be himself, because I was just, like, he alone, just as himself, is gonna make the scene interesting. And then when he did the voiceover bit, I mean, the lines were already there, so he just did it, you know. But um, it's nice when you have someone like him who is just such a presence, uh, no matter what, that, you know, you can just let him be in front of the camera and just do his thing, and that'll, that'll carry it. Uh, so much energy. So much energy. Yeah, somebody called him zany, and I think zany is the perfect word. I, I can only hope that I would have that level of energy. I don't have that level of energy now, so I can't really <laughs> speak. Well, to... And I have to say, working with Lloyd at conventions, like he he does great for the amount of time that he's on his feet and all the different people that he's interacting with. And every person that comes up to meet him, you know, we get their name. He says their name to them. Like, he's very involved and like makes every single person who comes up to meet him feel special and the guy i mean that's a lot of emotional labor for you know a few days of a convention and at his age he he does it beautifully yeah I mean, he's, he's just so cool like i can't wait to meet him again in like a couple weeks that um, those songs though by the way to me out of all the stuff in the film those songs to me, would have been perfect in any of the main tier trauma productions. The I thought the same group. thing. I yeah, thought that the songs were, were trauma worthy. Definitely. Very much. Does anybody have uh, any other favorites they want to talk about, or additional items of note about the movie? Any trivia? Any little bits? Oh my god, so I gotta talk about the about those turtle jokes, because, like, <laughs> holy shit, I, I love that so much. Uh, so, like, she, our main character, she has the, her boyfriend is, like, a total dick, uh, and she's like, do you remember what day it is? <laughs> and I was like, I bet it's their anniversary, right? And I think that was actually it. And he's like, I'm not good with dates, you know, I just don't remember. <laughs> and he's like, when did you get your turtle? Oh, it was April 7th, three years ago. <laughs> and then, then they just, like, cut... He, he was like, yeah, he was outside a bar, and I found him, like, drinking beer out of a puddle. And they just cut away to, like, the cutest, like, juve, like baby turtle, like, in a tank. Like, in a tank that's a terrible setup for it, by the way. Uh, they just cut to this, this tiny turtle in the tank, and it's, like, it pokes its head out, and, like goes back into its show, almost, like, out of shame. It's like, oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> and it was, like, it was a really cute moment. Uh, and then, uh, so this also ties into the first discovery of the killer rack, because she falls asleep, and he puts his hand, like, down her chest, like a grape, and it bites his hand off, and then when the cops show up, uh, later, it's like, you know, something must have bit his hand. You know, usually in cases like this, it's an animal that's responsible. And there's only one animal here. And they pan over to, like, a little baby turtle, like, on the ground. And one cop has a brew, and he's, like, trying to, like, corral it. So the other cop has his gun pulled on the fucking turtle. And it's just, oh my god. Like, and they keep, like, Ugh. It's like, okay, no, just, just grab it. Ugh. Like, you're recoiling from it. You turtle wouldn't do that. It was a really oh, spider. spider. It's like it's like the cutest, like oh, non-dangerous animal. They are incredibly dangerous in the wild because they outcompete others. But that's a whole other thing. Invasive uh, species, but not a cute baby thing. So. Yeah, but I did love that too with the, I guess, animal control or whatever, like, ah! 
That was a real one news story that happened a while ago. Uh, like a cop was like trying to like relocate this turtle or whatever. Like it was a big snapping turtle, and like it was in like a box, and he was he was so scared of it, like he couldn't even go over and like pick up a box. Like it started moving, and he was like, ah, and he like puts his hand in his gun. <laughs> just, just like I, I heard the, I heard this phrase on another podcast, "Blue Lives Magic," um, and I have no idea what the hell that means, but it felt like appropriate. Oh boy! <laughs> I just love uh, I love that moment where the biker guy uh, guy because <laughs> it it seems like we all the one liners like started to come up more towards like three quarters of the film through. Uh, at least um, uh, more of the good uh, good ones. And one of the guy, uh, guys, he was he was he was like, "Take him! I'm too pretty to die." Half <laughs> off in the other direction. That uh, that that was one of my favorites. Mm. Actually, the end when they defeated the monster with the bra. You know, what's weird is that gave me flashbacks to the film Everything uh, You Always Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask. That's a good one. Where they had the giant boob monster, and of course they used the bra to defeat the monster. And I always remember the line at the end, it's like, it's not over, what, they always travel in pairs. That's a good movie. It's a very, um, I think it was 1972. It's a very yes. early 70s film. It's something that you could never make nowadays, and certainly oh, not in that same way. Um, and it does sort of have an extra little weirdness to it just because it's Woody Allen and all the reframing of his whole filmography in the wake of Me Too and all that stuff, and I'm very sad because I was such a big Woody Allen fan and all that stuff. But, yeah, it uh, as far as handling absurdism in a way that does kind of tickle perhaps a slightly more intellectual part of your brain, uh, that's a good one to check out. Just seeing the giant, I mean, that, that little vignette, uh, that little, that little uh, thing... Just the giant boob monster, where you just <laughs> a giant boob wandering around destroying things. It, uh, it. I don't know what it is. This movie kind of reminded me of that uh, a lot of the time. And then, of course, the way they defeated it, I thought to myself of that entire scene where they brought out the giant brazier to take it down. <laughs> and this also, I thought, kind of played into the whole thing. I also wonder about whether this was necessarily specifically for a guy's kind of movie. Like, because they, again, when I said it made a point, I was I was like, the point was, it's all about boobs for guys. And it's like, that's not necessarily a, a message, you know, in a movie all about guys. But the part, the way they defeated it, where they came back to the, the complaints about underwire and all that kind of stuff. And what's the thing she said, like, underwire bitch or whatever. I'm like, that seems like that's feeding back into that hole part of the movie and I like the point that I felt it was making like again the kind of the earnestness that peeked through every now and then um, I kind of like yeah. that it was fun I but I yeah, think the movie <laughs> I didn't get a chauvinistic vibe from the movie entirely I felt like it was more of a parody of chauvinism yeah well it reaches the, the ultimate point of the thing um, is a point that I've always you know, agreed with it, which is that if if one is to make any kind of physical adjustments of any kind, uh, you know, and I've and I and I've always been in favor of plastic surgery if for no other reason that you know it's their body; they can do what they want with it. But um, of, uh, uh, may I interrupt here for just a moment? Um, speaking of a comedy, that, uh, that uh, if you want to see a good comedy film about. Uh, breast surgery. I believe there's a movie that has David Schwimmer and it called Breast Men, which mm -hmm. is a bad take on you know the bre uh, how how the first breast surgeons got you know got uh, got the you know their their in on you know uh, making it 
a goal to uh, to help people get you know their uh, the, the perfect breasts that they have, they want. You know. You seem to know an awful lot about this stuff, Dave. <laughs> Plastic surgery is quite a fascinating field, I have to say. But the um, the thing that I was going to say was that, um, I, and I again, I've always been in favor of the idea of plastic surgery because if for no other reason that, you know, it's someone's body, they can modify it or change it or do whatever they want with it, um, especially if it would Im if it would improve their self-esteem and that sort of stuff. And I know that there are plenty of people who are addicted to it and all that stuff. That's a whole other thing. But the point is that um, what I liked about this film is that it was able to, amidst the absurdity of everything, is that the ultimate message is that, you know, um, you know, any changes that, <coughs> any changes that one is going to make, you know, should come from a place of, um, of strength and, you know, self-love and wanting to do it because you wanted to, as opposed to, uh, you know, what someone is expecting of you. And of course, uh, once the, ulterior, and, that, and that's what she comes to even before we find out that the killer rack is in fact a killer rack, and so then after that, you know, she's able to find self-worth in herself as she is, which is nice, it's just, you know, both of those things are important because, um, you know, you should find self-worth in yourself as you are, but, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, if you are going to make any changes to yourself, do it because you want to and because they would make you happy rather than because it's what's expected of you or desired by someone else. Such a wholesome message in this Killer Rack movie, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, I think it is important. Oh, yeah! <laughs> it, is. It, it, it is. It is important because, uh, you know, and again, I'm, I think that applies to anybody, men, women, whatever. Um, sure. You know, and I, even on a small level for myself, I have always wanted to get my, uh, I have a slight deviated septum, you know, with my nose, and I wouldn't mind getting that fixed someday. It's not horrible, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind getting that touched up. So, again, small example. A little rhinoplasty on the weekend. Just a bit, you know, but nothing too, not going to not gonna do a full Michael Jackson. Right, right. Does anybody have anything else before we wrap up? Yeah, uh, the, um, I had a couple comments, too, on the... Uh, I, I quite like the absurdity of the dialogue. I know some of it was ground-inducing. Some of it seemed a little like, yeah, I could have tightened it up a little bit. But some of it... Uh, and I know Brandon will probably understand where I'm coming with this. Uh, I like the lines like, blood, it stains, you know, coming from one of the cops. And, and then there's the part <laughs> like, the boss is like, let me let you in on a secret, Betty. Business is business. And I was thinking, like, oh, and water is where you find it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's the point, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I kind of, I liked Betty. I liked uh, Jessica as well. Like, I liked the way she played her. I kind of liked him. You know, I thought Paul McGinnis did. Their little thing was a little out of step with the absurd nature of most of the film. But it gave something grounded to root for, I thought. But other than that, I loved little touches. Like the thing with the turtle and... Pretty much everything with Lloyd Kaufman, you know, those were fun moments too. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, one day we have to do Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Uh, it, it it still baffles me how that one got a Criterion release. Um, but yes, indeed, water is indeed where you find it. <laughs> As advice from that movie. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we did. Killer Rack quite a bit of justice this evening, don't you guys agree? Strangely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot to say on it, so uh, good job. So I guess we'll just uh, go around and um, wrap it up, and everybody can say their spiel. We'll go ahead and start with. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. 
Alright, Dane, take it away. Um, I am Dane Kyle, independent filmmaker out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, this last weekend I filmed almost all of my uh, segment for an upcoming anthology called Faces of Fear. Going to be f wrapping it up um, this next weekend, it looks like. Um, and then uh, got another one lined up after it. I've already done four, including Four Real Mini, Clown Exploitation, Driving Grindhouse, Creepy Pasta the Movie, and uh, you know that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as I'm concerned. But uh, you know, a whole lot of crazy things coming my way with increasingly uh, large distribution. Awesome, good. We look forward to that. And uh, Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Uh, yes, uh, I am a Septum Sin of Septum Sin versus the World, which is a YouTube channel de uh, dedicated to the uh, physical media, uh, typically uh, be it CDs, video games, uh, but mostly, of course, Blu-rays and DVDs. Uh, we do typical weekly pickup and, uh, of course, uh, what's coming out type videos so that you can keep abreast of what titles are going to be available. Uh, of course, at the end of the week, we are going to be reviewing and ending our Academy Awards Spectacular with a top 15 list of nominees that possibly could have or even should have won some of the awards they were nominated for. Uh, it is going to be uh, an interesting top 15 list and uh, should be worth looking forward to. Awesome. Uh, Dustin, tell us about you. Oh, um, well, I am a horror collector here in Milwaukee and uh, uh, what don't I do? So I have, a I have a YouTube channel where I try to show off uh, the stuff I find around town uh, at the Crypt of Horrors. Uh, I'm also hanging out on Twitter an awful lot, also under the Crypt of Horrors. Uh, I have Instagram for the collection that I almost never update, <laughs> uh, DHR Hunter. And, uh, uh, I think that's more or less it. Uh, I'm just, uh, just on here causing mayhem, but, okay. So, oh yeah, and I'm also on, uh, Pop Culture Weekly, also here on YouTube. Uh, that's related to the Twisted Dreams Festival, so I kind of have my hands in a lot of stuff. Perhaps too much stuff. Never enough. <laughs> Alright, Jim, tell us about you. Alright, I'm Code Vicky Jake here in Central Virginia. I'm a uh, big time uh, fan and collector of all sorts of media, movies, music, uh, books, and manga and all that fun stuff and uh budding contributor to the uh the actual creation part of it i hope uh and i often guest on septum sin versus the world and as septum mentioned we got a big video coming up uh, i do want to add a, a further thought that it's not just focused on the nominations they got but also those they should have gotten for example, we uh, cover a film, or just minor spoiler, one of the films on the list is one that we covered on this channel about a month ago. Uh, the Princess Pride definitely had to make that list. And partly because the writing was a uh, far sight better than tonight's film. Uh, no lines like, was beauty killed the bust? But, you know. <laughs> oh my god, how could I forget about that? That was, that was kind of bullshit. Like, my less surprise this film did not make that list. We, should have, we probably should have rethought our order for this month. But anyway, and I also have my own channel, Code Rookie Jake, which is more dedicated to uh, videos about nature and the natural world. Uh, I will have my own uh, turtle uh, commentaries sometime this year, but haven't found any yet. Um, and that will do now, I suppose. Go ahead. All right. Great. Um, how about you, Dave? Well, um, my name is David Stregge. I am the uh, regular horror host here. But, uh, but uh, as we uh, well know, uh, as we are uh, 
continuing our Inside Movies Galore uh, uh, journey, everyone has uh, has gotten more involved in uh, making this co- uh, podcast better. And uh, uh, next week, um, we have a great film uh, to uh, discuss. Uh, what, what would that film be, uh, be Katie? Uh, I believe next week we are doing Monster Squad. Nice. So, ladies and gentlemen, we, uh, uh, join us next Tuesday around 9 p.m. Uh, to uh, see what we uh, say about uh, that classic film. Uh, also, check out some of the reviews that, uh, that I do on this, uh, uh, well, on this channel that I'll be switching over to another cha- uh, uh, ch- uh, channel. We're kind of in the uh, uh, middle of making things better all around. So um, de- uh, uh, definitely check out some of those and uh, just enjoy watching the films, you know. So thank you, everyone. Uh, everyone say um, well, I will wrap it up. Um, by letting everyone know that I'm Katie Cadaver and I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm a body positive for artist alternative model. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. I'm also the makeup artist for the horror punk band Rat Bat Spider and a dead girl for Dead Girls Dark Coffin Classics. And I'm going to be getting together with both of them this weekend to uh, tape an episode of Dead Girls Dark Coffin Classics with Rat Bat Spider. So stay tuned for that when it comes out on the air. I'll have more details. Uh, I am also a Tromet with Troma Entertainment. And my next appearance with Troma will be at Horrorhound Cincinnati. Um, and that's March 15th through the 17th. So come by and see me at the Troma booth and say hi. I also perform and produce for Grindhouse Tees Burlesque Productions. And our next big thing that we have coming up is the Art and Oddities Fair on June 1st at the Walkers Point Music Hall. So like us on Facebook to find out more information on that. And as always, please remember to like the Inside Movies Galore page on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and share us with your friends. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you.